Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. Self-care in times of grief. Well, friends, this is Diane here with a very emotional, connected, and sometimes confusing topic, and that is grief. And how do we take care of ourselves in the middle of it? And it's it's a timely topic that actually came to me uh, while I was doing some self-care in a current time of my life that is full of grief. So I'm speaking from my heart in current experience, as well as my decades of work with people and specializing in grief recovery. So first, let's define grief. Grief is a conflicting mass of human emotion following any change in behavior. So it includes the loss of a pet or a loved one or a job. It also includes moving, getting married, having babies, because when we have a familiar change of our behavior, like something that changes what our normal routine is, grief is experienced. Another part of it is it's a conflicting mass of emotion. And so sometimes think that grieving only looks sad or only looks angry or only looks numb or shut down, or how dare you laugh while you're grieving. All of these kind of conflicting societal messages don't serve us at all because the truth is grief is a conflicting mass of emotion following any significant change of behavior. So people handle grief in all kinds of different ways. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit and some things to really watch out for that doesn't happen to you when you have a loss, because you will if you haven't already. And what do you do to take care of yourself? Recently, like in the last three days, four days ago, my beloved dog of 11 years, almost 12 years, um, died. And it was very traumatic for me. She was given to me by an old client as a thank you for saving his life when she was a puppy. And we had an intuitive connection. Everybody who knows her knows it was more than just my fur baby friend. It was much deeper than that. She actually saved my life on more than one occasion. And she was right there beside me with surgeries and other things. And right up until the end, she was taking care of me in her own way. So it was a connection beyond having a dog in the house. So that grief struck me harder than any other grief I have ever felt in my life. And I've had lots of other losses, but this one, knowing it was coming, still just really wrenched my heart. So what are the things that we want to do um, or that we don't want to do really when it comes to grief? Well, we don't want to get caught in a compulsive or addictive kind of behaviors. You know, like one of my friends said, well, at least you didn't go out and spend $20,000 on things you don't need, or at least you didn't go out and, you know, do something you regret. And so that's an important thing to remember, that we don't want to compulsively shop or compulsively eat or drink alcohol or do drugs. Or on the other side of that compulsion, it's not like everything's okay when maybe you really are sad. 
And so having authentic expression of our emotions in the proper way with the proper people, which we're going to talk about, is the key. It's the key to healing through taking the lessons with you along with then the continued inspiration. And when we try to stop the process or pretend like it's not happening, or we only have three days to get over whatever it is, you know, in our culture, you have a relative that passes away. You have three days, you get off work and then, then, then it's on you. That's goofy. It takes a full cycle of seasons to properly heal any kind of major loss. So Maggie taught me all about loyalty and unconditional love, and she was dependable, and she was intuitive. Sometimes I waited for English to come out of that cute little face of hers when she didn't speak English. She was a labradoodle. Her vet said when she was a puppy, oh, we have an angel dog. Yeah, and she was, and everybody who knew her knew that. So the grief is really deep. So here are some things that I use myself in these situations, but also that I teach my clients to use and that other people can use. I hope they serve you. Remember, grief is a conflicting mass of human emotion following any change of behavior. So even when something wonderful happens, we have grief because of that emotion, because of the change. So one of the first things to remember to do is to give yourself permission to connect with the people who you know will listen and you feel understood by. So when this all was happening, I was very attentive. Who was I going to tell and when and how? Because sometimes we um, want to pay attention to what we hear, right? And how much influx. So who can really hear you? Who can listen to you with their heart and not try to fix you or change you? Or most importantly, tell you how you should be feeling. Because... Your experience is your experience. And when someone has the audacity to try to tell you to not feel that way or something like time heals all wounds, because time is not what heals our wounds, our own inner work does. There's so many things people can say that can actually compound the situation. They don't know it. They're trying to be the best they can. But you pay attention to who do you say what to. Find the people in your world who listen to you unconditionally and can just hang out with you whether you're crying or whatever you're doing. And that leads me to the second thing here. Cry as much as you need to. You know, uh, I have a friend of mine who was texting me all weekend, cry all you want, cry all you want. And I'm like, oh, I already know how to do that. And I have an emotional overexcitability as a gifted woman. So I know how to cry. And I also know that that's honoring that relationship. It's honoring me and it's healthy for my body to not try to stuff it all in. So cry as much as you need to. And if you don't feel like crying, don't feel guilty because you're not crying, right? Like it's okay because some of us cry a lot in the beginning. Some of us cry longer. Some of us don't cry at all. There's no wrong way to grieve. There's only your way. I've had other major losses in my life, major. I didn't cry at all over those losses. I had a lot of different other kinds of conflicting emotions, but I didn't cry. So crying is not the only indicator that you're feeling pain. So if you don't cry about a loss, fine. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It means you're not crying about that loss. So we really want to get some clarity in our own lives about how we move through emotions and experiences without judging ourselves and beating ourselves up with an idea we think is real. Because 
I've had lots of losses. I didn't cry. I had other feelings. I didn't cry. This particular loss, I'm crying a lot, but I'm not crying while I'm talking to you, and I still feel the loss. So cry as much as you need to. And if you don't feel like crying or no tears come, that does not mean you're not grieving. And it also certainly does not mean you're not doing it right. All it means is that you're not crying. So we can take away the judgment and the assessment and the valuation of how somebody experiences something because every one of us does grief differently. We have different autobiographies. We have different sensory makeup. We have different experience. So no two people are going to do any form of change or grief the same. So your way of doing grief, if you're being internally honest with yourself and you have aligned integrity within you, your expression or non-expression of your pain or whatever the emotions are is totally valid. So the third thing is that all emotions are okay and they're all healthy. Because like I said, grief is a conflicting massive emotion. So you can be angry, you can be numb, you can be happy and joyful and cry. I mean, there were times in the last few days where I was crying and my eyes were just watering, but I had a smile on my face because I was remembering something beautiful. So how about that? Crying eyes and a smiling mouth. Because it's a conflicting massive emotion and it's all okay. That's the thing I want you to understand. Your way of doing change, transition, loss, okay, it's okay. Because when you make any change or any transition or any healing thing, there is grief involved because it's a conflicting massive emotion following any significant change of behavior. Buy a new car. You're changing your behavior. It's a different car. There's grief involved for the old car. Get married. Get engaged. Now you're, con- now you're considering your life differently. So there's a, a significant change of your behavior. And grief is one of the feelings because it's a conflicting massive emotion. That doesn't mean that the change is wrong or bad or negative. It just simply means it's a change. We want to really get away from this assessing good, bad, right, wrong. Because when we do that, we put ourselves in situations that may not serve us the best. The fourth thing I want to talk about is the need-to-know basis, and I operate on this. Not everybody needs to know everything all the time right away. You know, I did not run out and post this um, major, major loss in my life on social media. It may go up later, you know, in an honorable way for the beautiful soul that was within that dog. It may, and it may not. And no matter what I decide, I'm right. So not everybody needs to know everything all the time. So think about that. So think about your emotions and the conflicting things you having, like joy and pain and happiness and all those things, right? Doubt sometimes, worry sometimes. And then say, okay, well, who is it that I can connect to that will listen to me unconditionally? And what would be the priority of who gets to know what, when? And just because you pick a timing doesn't mean that you don't love anybody else or it doesn't mean that anybody's second. It means your bandwidth, your ability to receive whatever any influx energy or phone calls or text messages or emails or whatever is something you can manage. Because I know that if I would have told all of my close friends about this immediately, I would have gotten too many phone calls for me to handle. 
So I saw, kind of went down like, who's known her the longest? Who understands what's going on? Who already knew something was happening? So I wouldn't have to explain it all because I didn't have a lot of bandwidth. Now I have more bandwidth so I can talk about it more. So it's okay to be with yourself in the process. It's okay to walk with yourself down a road that might be tricky while honoring yourself. So honor your own timing. If you feel like talking, great. If you don't, great. No wrong answer. Again, pay attention to your own personal bandwidth, no matter what it is. Because some of you might be feeling a grief or a loss or a change or a transition multiples at a time. And that's trickier, right? Because see, our nervous systems are designed to be at rest and peace and calm most of the time with short periods of interruption and then a recovery time. Well, that's not how our society is. That's not how our life is. There's constant input, constant stuff happening. And then we're supposed to moderate an intense emotional experience on top of all the stuff. So honor yourself and say, well, slow it down, you know, or I'm going to sit over here and just do this one thing. Like I have a really good friend of mine and and um, she said, what can I do for you? And I said, just distract me, you know, like the day after. Like, I just want to do something else. And so I, we went shopping and did some shopping for her home. And it was so good to be physical and active and help my friend. And, and I could have whatever feeling I wanted to have. And she was totally cool and didn't try to make me say anything I didn't want to say. And she didn't, didn't try to set the stage. She let me lead the conversation. So you can choose who you be who you're around initially and down the road and as time unfolds, you know. One of my other really good friends just a little while ago was like, you know, you've been looking for other puppies and other dogs to be with your friend. Maybe, you know, if you started just paying attention to how that feels. Not saying, oh, go replace the loss, but honoring the fact that I've been talking about as another dog for a while, maybe. Maybe I should look at that timing. And it was, a, it was an idea. It was a suggestion. It wasn't a trying to fix me conversation. And that's the value in having multiple peer groups. That's the value in what I've been saying for decades now, that you want to have people in your life who know other things you're thinking about. So nothing's a surprise. Um, and then another thing I want to talk about, which I think is the fifth idea here, is to nurture yourself. When you're going through grief, which any kinds of transition or personal healing of any kind has grief with it because of the change. But then when you have a major loss, like I've just experienced a few days ago or something like that, then we want to really nurture ourselves. It takes much more self-compassion and self-care to keep going when we're hurting. Healing takes a lot of energy. And dealing with whatever the loss was, the 10 days or so that I didn't sleep and that I was on edge and that I was hyper aware of what was happening to her really wore my body down. But now I also have to heal grief. So self-nurture really matters. Sleeping if you need to, resting if you need to. There have been times I've been numb, so I just kind of watch the Food Network or read a book or just sit, right? Hang out and look at nature, whatever it is. I haven't been able to walk on the, on the paths that we walked all the time yet. Can't do that yet. I know I can't because I'm feeling it, just even mentioning it to you. So give yourself permission to nurture yourself, to take steps outside of the familiar pattern that serve you, 
And if something is going to be a big trigger, it's okay to say not yet or not now. Because we all heal differently. No two people handle loss the same. So honor yourself. So do things that feel really good to you. Like if you love baths, warm water helps soothe the soul and the nervous system, right? Or candles or having like indirect lighting so things are softer. You know, I always look at how things are landing on me. If if something is harsh or loud or too bright, it's difficult when I need my inner energy for my healing and for my growth. Um, and also start to look at something about that loss that offers offers that also offers you another gift. Like I also know that Maggie was done with her journey. I even had this spiritual message um, that um, she's done her work here. It was the message that came through when I was doing something totally different, driving and not thinking about it. So even though it's humanly painful, I know that there's other factors at work. And one of my very close friends talking to me hours after she died was, you know, sometimes when we're in a, in a um, transformative state of life, which I've, I've been in for years, sometimes the openings are very hard because as things shift and change, we lose the things we love the most in order to open what's coming next. Now, if an average person would have said that to me who didn't know me, I would have said, okay, well, all right, that's nice in my head. But my friend who was very connected, who knows me well, was able to talk about those kinds of things on that level, and I could hear it. So having multiple peer groups and lots of people who know you along the way is the best support in the world when you're having a major loss or grief especially when it's more intense or maybe not easily understood by others. Because sometimes we feel things so differently or we think it's so differently. Maybe it's not, but it feels that way. So you want to have a multiple peer groups, many different people who can relate to you in different ways. And that takes investment. It takes time. And we live in a society that is go, 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 and everything really fast. And I've had people say, you're really lucky. You have a lot of people in your life, a lot of friends. And I'm like, yes, I am. You know, I don't know that I consider it luck, but okay, if you want to use that word, but I consider myself quite fortunate because I have great friends in my life and I have people connected to me in lots of amazing ways that can step up and be there for me and I'm there for them. And we have invested in our relationship for years. Some of these people like 30, 40, 50 years of investing in each other's relationships with all the ups and downs and stepping up and being there for each other with all the different life events. So that when something really intense happens, I know right away who is not going to run away, who's going to honor how I feel and be present. I also know I can reach out and ask if I need something. And if I don't need something, I'm not being um, pressured to need something. Because some people, <clears throat> when their friend's hurting, they got to find something to do so they can feel useful for that friend, which sometimes is taxing on the friend, right? So you want people to have really healthy boundaries around you. Another way that you self-nurture and you take care of yourself when you're going through grief is give yourself permission to feel joy and happiness again. 
Some people think that if you're not feeling sad and your heart doesn't stay broken like forever, then you didn't honor whatever it was you lost, the person or the pet primarily. And that's not true, right? The truth is part of the healing journey is to walk through the difficulty and give yourself permission to to reawaken into a new and more amazing inspired expression of who you are because of the power of that relationship that's now not in exact human form. I've had people ask me, have you hurt, felt her essence? Have you felt her? And I'm like, oh, absolutely. So her essence, her connection to me that was very unique will never go away. And the joy and inspiration that's coming down the road that I can't feel yet, but I know it's there, is powerful when it comes to honoring the whole process. Because I know I'm a better woman for having had her in my life. And I know I can take that being a better woman for having had her in my life and be even a more beneficial presence moving forward. That, my friends, is the whole point of living, right? That's the whole point is to continue to expand and grow and be that beneficial presence. And every being that has come into our life that has been in our life and is now no longer in our life for whatever reason is part of the constellation and the nuance that creates beauty for us as we move forward, if we let it. So no, I'm not going to be sad forever. Will I be sentimental? Yep. Will it matter to me? And will I have tears on and off probably for a long time? Sure. Mm -hmm. Because I'm honoring that connection. Not because I'm playing victim or feeling sorry for myself. But because I have great honor and great reverence. And moving forward through life, we have to do a lot of goodbyes. If you are in some kind of healing journey and there's people in your life that are doing unhealthy things and you know that's not good for you to be around, you have to say goodbye to that old lifestyle. That's grief. There's lots and lots of ways to look at this. So Maggie taught me a lot um, and she blessed a lot of my friends and a lot of my clients. And would I have changed that time? No. Is the grief really, really, really deep? Yep. And it's all okay. So if you're feeling grief, you're feeling a loss, it's okay. Feel it. Be honest with yourself. Allow the safe people around you to come into your life and be there with you. Know that the more honest and expressive you are with your own integrity, the better your life will be. And the more you will see the power of that experience. Because what I know is because I'm changed for the better, that, and along with everybody else that knows her, that great things will come out of that. There will be long-term cascading positive effects because of the relationship that I invested in with my dog and with all the people around her. I invested in it. She wasn't um, an accessory in my home, far more than that. So take some time today and honor all your relationships, honor yourself, 
love on yourself a whole lot. Write yourself a love letter. Buy some flowers. Exercise. Move. Warm water. Eat nourishing food. Nourishing as in healthy, not as in addictive. And love on yourself. And let people who you trust love on you. Mm -hmm. So as I um, end this episode of Someone Gets Me, thank you for being in my world. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the good that you bring to planet Earth in whatever cool, unique, amazing way that you do it. Honor all sentient beings. Mm -hmm. No, no being is just a dog or just a cat or just a fish or just a bird or just a fill in the blank. And you're not a just a fill in the blank. That implies second class, the word just. You're beautiful, you are lovable, and you're capable. Thank you for listening, my friends. Thank you for all of those who knew Maggie for um, loving her. And until the next episode, if someone gets me, remember that you're a rock star and you're here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there, be that beneficial presence, honor your emotions, your experience, and your grief. Because then you can honor your joy and your excitement and your happiness more fully. Be inspired in your thoughts. Until the next episode, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.